Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Good morning, YouTube. Welcome to my channel. This is Larson Hicks, and it is, uh, what is today? It's Wednesday, the 22nd of September, and this is the third episode of uh, my channel, which I'm trying to kind of get off the ground here, and it's really just about me sharing uh, my thoughts on things that I care about. So I'm just kind of working my way through my list, and hopefully as you guys tune in and listen and um, and uh, engage, I would love to to talk about whatever stuff you guys want to talk about. So thanks for tuning in and uh, feel free to jump into the comment section. Thanks for subscribing and liking and all that jazz. So uh, the topic today I want to talk about is um, it's ideology and Gnosticism um, and, uh, and how I think poisonous those things are and in for the Christian and, you know, for, for anybody, I think it's a, it's a really dangerous um, thing to avoid, and I and I think it's something we're pretty we're pretty um, oblivious to. So, what do I mean by ideology or ideologies? So, to me, I think when I think of ideologies, I think of um, I think of idolatry actually, which which is kind of unusual maybe. Um, but what what I think of is is it's it's this, um, and and I think it's also tied to Gnosticism. So I'm throwing out, sorry, I'm throwing out all this jargon, but let's talk about maybe before getting into ideology, let me talk about Gnosticism because I actually think this is a Gnostic thing. And I do, uh, I'll give credit here to James Jordan. Um, he, he had a talk at uh, a pastor's conference a long time ago. I'll try to find the link uh, to that and, and put it in the description because it was such a, there, I think it was a couple talks about um, Gnosticism that really blew my mind. Um, but, but he was trying to make this argument that Gnosticism really is this, the kind of perennial ancient, um, Christian and even Jewish, um, sin. Um, and he, he tra traces it all the way back to the garden, even though when we think of Gnosticism with a big G, we think of the actual school of thought of, of Gnosticism that, that existed like in the first century. Um, and, and it was, I, I think, Irenaeus, uh, one of the, the early, early church fathers, was was kind of fighting against Gnosticism, if my memory serves me. Some theologian or scholar can correct me on that, but that's not the point. The point is that Gnosticism, uh, spelled with a G, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, uh, Gnosticism, is um, this idea that the word gnosis is is the Greek word for knowledge, and um and it basically the 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 heresy of Gnosticism in the Christian um, world is believing that there that to be saved or to be right with God you have to have some special knowledge, um, and and actually you know the 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 other side of the coin is that it's really all about the special knowledge and if you and the special knowledge is really what saves you and what you do with your body, what you do you know, in your actions, uh, and your thoughts even don't really matter. What really matters is that you have right thinking, that you have the right knowledge. 
And, uh, and I think what James Jordan argues is that this actually goes all the way back. This is an old Jewish heresy as well. It goes back to the garden. Um, this idea that you're trying to distill what uh, the, the living word has said, trying to distill the um, truth and the commands that God gives um, into, into a principle, right? Or into a, um, a specific um, uh, uh, piece of knowledge. And so in, in the garden, the, the example is, well, um, Satan's saying, well, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? He's basically saying, you know, let's look at the, let's look at the essence of what God told you to do. Did he really say, you know, he, he, yeah, he said, he said he can't eat from, from a specific tree, but, it, but is he saying that all trees are bad? You know, it's not, it's not like all trees are bad. Right. Um, and so it's, it's kind of this playing with, and, and, and it's, it's trying to put yourself, I think, in the place of God and, and distill down, um, what the living word of God has, has, is, and says, uh, to us into some principle, some, some ideology, uh, that we can substitute, we can use and substitute and wield on our own independent from God. So let me kind of give the, let me see if, I don't know if that makes sense, but let me try to flesh it out a little bit. I, I think about, I think about, so ideologies are, um, or when someone's ideological, it's, it's think of the think of like the hardcore libertarian, right. Who's like, you know, I hate that. I hate abortion and I think it's wrong. Um, but, uh, but you know, I don't want to mess with people's rights. You know, I want to like, I, it's all about freedom of choice, you know, and I don't like, um, you know, I don't like drugs, but you know, look, you know, everyone's free to choose. And that's my, my, you know, the ideology that I think is the, is right is, is freedom is freedom of choice and, and so on and so forth. So, so what I, what I see happening in the world, what I've seen happen in my own life is that we take these principles, some, some of them, good principles, some of them, biblical principles, um, we take them and we kind of isolate them and, and sort of enshrine them as an ideology. And, and, and the reason why I said earlier that I think it's really about idolatry is that I think these, these ideologies become idols. And by that, what I mean by that is let's say that you're a conservative Christian today. Um, I, you know, I'm in the Presbyterian reformed Presbyterian world. And so we're, we're all Calvinists, right? And so you see Calvinism becomes, you know, there's, there's the teaching of John Calvin. There's the, the, you know, the, the, Tulip, you know, um, the five points of Calvinism, which again are kind of a distillation of what Calvin taught. Um, and that becomes a, a sort of, um, an idol and you're able to kind of set it on a shelf. You think of putting it on the mantle, you know, and, um, and when somebody has got a question or a problem or concern, um, they've had a death in the family, you know, so, some, some evil thing has happened that they can't explain. The temptation is to go, we could jump into the word of God and see what God says about this. Or, you know, let's just pray to this idol here, this Calvinism idol. What does Calvinism have to say about this? And, and I'm more interested in actually, you know, it, it's easier a lot of times to process the world by just going, let me grab my idol, my ideology, and let me just look at the world through the lens of that. And then I can explain everything. Um, and it's, it, it makes everything simple and binary, you know, so we talked about libertarianism or free market capitalism. 
uh, Calvinism, you know, fill in the blank. You know, we've got all these ideologies. Uh, pacifism, you know, is a great example of an ideology um, that's adopted both by the left and the right. Um, and and the, the problem with all of them is that you're setting this thing up and enshrining it as an authority in your life. Um, and oftentimes an authority that, that, that is above or at least equal with scripture and, and, and the living God, you know, who has spoken, um, and has spoken on all of these things. And so, well, I'm a pacifist. That's my, that's my, that's my, my belief. And so it doesn't really matter what the situation, you know, what the word of God says, you know, what wisdom looks like in the situation. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to go with my pacifist principles. And so, and so I'm, I'm talking about this because I really think it's a, it's a thing we need to, we need to open our eyes to. Um, and something that if you're a Christian, uh, you, you need to let go of your ideologies. And, and that's not to say that there aren't awesome principles and, um, and ideas and systems that, that can be helpful. The idea of systematic theology, right, is, is this idea of trying to take, you know, approach these different loci, these different, these different um, categories and, and, and go at the Bible with this category in mind and go, okay, well, I want to, I want to understand marriage. So now I'm going to go look for all the verses about marriage and we'll, and we'll define marriage uh, by by taking all of those verses together, there's there's something good about that. There's something helpful about that. I don't think it's wrong in and of itself, but I certainly don't think it is as um, impactful and as uh, faithful as just soaking yourself in the Word of God, just reading the Word and letting your mind be transformed by the Word. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the Bible that is not systematic, you know, that doesn't fit well into when you isolate it as a verse and pull it kind of out of its context, trying to make sense of it. Sometimes um, it's difficult. And there are arguments that are made in the scripture that assume that you just know your, your mind has been transformed um, to process, to to think a certain way because you are soaked in scripture. I heard, um, Jason Farley at the Fight Life Peace Conference recently talk about the passage um, about um, about women not teaching and uh, in the church and the argument being because Adam was made first um, and it's like you know he just kind of moves right along um, moves right along uh, I think it's about teaching it's 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 a it's a woman man role situation and and I'm, I didn't prepare here. So I'm, 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 I can't remember exactly, but, but, um, but the point he was making was that it's this argument that assumes you, you have paid close attention to the story of creation and what God made Adam for, um, and the job that he gave Adam before Eve, and then what he made Eve for. And in kind of a syllogistic, you know, logical, rational, argumentative, uh, structure, um, it's hard to make an argument, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of, uh, lay this all out in a way that, that is, that, that, um, that helps, you know, that, that, that makes sense to process that, that Bible verse and go, okay, I don't know what he's saying. He just said, because Adam was made first and then Eve. Um, but the point is that, you know, if you've read Genesis, you understand that God made Adam for a purpose, you know, to protect and to 
lead um, and to name um, and uh, as as kind of the priest of 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 the garden to to you know to to uh, offer a benediction and and name these things and thank God for them. And Eve was brought brought in as his helper, um, and and so there's different and 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 she's and she's going to be you know she's going to help him um, grow the kingdom numerically and, and those kinds of things. So so I'm I'm on a rabbit trail um, and I'm trying to just just make this point that that um, between kind of biblical theology and systematic theology that it's it's kind of a, there's the same tension exists between a, a a desire to to discern principles and this desire to to kind of distill scripture into ideas that are more concise and simple and versus uh what i would say biblical theology people like james jordan and peter lightheart who are really i, I think the the best at this who are about going with the grain of the text and trying to just soak yourself in the scripture so that you recognize the patterns and the illusions and the things that scripture is doing um, because, because you're just, um, immersed in it. So this kind of distilling the church, the, the truth or finding this essence in the, tr- in, of, of things is really pernicious. Um, and, uh, and you know, even, you know, look at like, we talked about Calvin a minute ago, he, his commentaries, you know, for example, um, instead of having a, a commentary on Matthew and a commentary on Mark and, and, and each of the gospels, uh, Calvin's got uh, what he calls the harmony of the Gospels, right? And it's like it's good, right? Um, there's a lot of great stuff in there, but it but there's this there's this this temptation to well, let's distill this down to what what the essence of it is. And I think Luther was especially bad about this. You know, Luther's like absolutely obsessed with justification by faith, which you know us Reformed people love justification, the doctrine of just, justification by faith. But you can see that in his thought and his mind, his teaching, this has become like the most essential kernel of truth, and it's the mo- it's the thing that we have to understand above all else, and uh, and it's important, it's central, no doubt. But but you can see that that it's it started to kind of elevate itself, um, and uh, and I think it can be dangerous, and I've seen it, I've seen it in the reformed world where where everything comes back to justification. And it's like, we can't have differing views on anything because ultimately it all ties back to your view of justification. And it's like, it's, it's, um, I, I think it, it turns the world into this, this binary it's, it's polarizing. Like I think ideologies are polarizing. It, 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 it places you either, are you in line with pacifism or not? Are you in line with, with uh, Calvinism or not? Are you in line with uh, free market economics or not? You know, it's, it's binary. There can't be, wisdom right that that doesn't fit in the middle the example i like to give is is solomon you know you look at solomon after his dream um where god asked him what he wants and he and he asked for wisdom and then it talks about how i think it's like the next day that he goes out on the walls and these two prostitutes come to him and and they're they've got a baby and they're asking which one you know she's claiming it's her baby and the other one's claiming that it's hers and saying that, you know, her baby, she rolled over a baby at night and killed it. And so while the other was sleeping, she swapped the babies. So um, she, so Solomon's response is, okay, well, just bring me a sword and we'll just cut it in half. And you guys can each have a half. And one of the women said, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, and the other woman said, no, please don't. She can have the baby. 
And by that, he was able to, to quickly discern who the actual mother was, right? And and it, it, this is why I left, uh, I, I, I kind of abandoned um, the, the libertarian uh, worldview um, because I realized that as awesome as Ron Paul is and was and, and how much respect I have for him for being uh, principled and voting his conscience and, and doing things, um, being consistent. What I realized at some point was I could program a robot. You know, I could I could write a computer program that would vote 100% identically to Ron Paul. And is that what representative government is about? Is it about electing robots to to you know to look at the ideology and make a and make a make the most consistent vote? Um, or is it about finding um, godly, wise rulers who will represent us well and who who have the wisdom to discern a situation and and um, and do the right thing? My one of my favorite examples of this this um, this problem with ideologies and the reason why I want to encourage you to uh, another example of why I think you need to reconsider your ideologies. Nassim Taleb talks about in. Um, I don't know if it was anti-fragile. It's probably anti-fragile. Um, I love Nassim Taleb's books. I've read, I think, all of them. Um, but he uh, he talks about how different different uh, political ideologies um, have have a are good and tr- and true and right at different scales. So the example he gives is he says at a at a federal national level he's a libertarian. At a state level, he's a Republican. At a city level, he's a Democrat. And at a local church family level, he's a communist. And the point is that scale matters, right? And if if you're just mindlessly devoted to your principle uh, of, of free market capitalism, um, what do you do with Acts 2, you know, where the church is holding everything in common and sharing with one another? Like, they're, they're not applying scripture accurately, right? They don't, they're not respecting you know, uh, personal property and, and contracts and things like that. And it's like, well, no, you know, they were filled with the Holy spirit. Um, and the, and this is how they acted. Right. Um, the, the, the wrong application of that is for some, some, some Marxists to look at that and go, yep, that's what scripture teaches. Let's apply that everywhere and let's scale this thing nationwide. Let's, let's, let's not have any private property and let's give it all the government and, and they'll, they'll distribute it appropriately. So, um, so I want I want to just encourage you to to look at your ideologies with some skepticism and take, you know, take the truth from them and apply it where where it's it's uh, biblical and appropriate. Um, but but always want to consult the word of God. Um, and, and so when you've got a problem, when you've got an issue and you've got a big question, um, instead of just first turning to your ideologies and giving the pat answer of what your ideologies, your little idols um, tell you to do consult scripture, consult the, consult the word of God. Um, he's, he is also alive and living and speaking still. And so you, you also have the Holy spirit and you can pray and you can, um, be convicted by things. Um, but, but anyway, and that's, you know, there's a whole, whole other, um, box of, of can of worms there, but, um, but yeah, so just want to, want to share that concept, that idea. I don't know if that's helpful or not, um, um, it's really about, it's really about wisdom. It's about the word of God and it's about, um, 
taking our ideological um, commitments down a, a couple pegs and, and viewing them as useful tools um, and generally right in a certain context, um, but, but also understanding that, that they don't trump uh, the, the word of God. And any time where we find ourselves, you know, looking at scripture in a situation and our ideology and, and, and there's a conflict, we need to always, we need to always um, submit to scripture and to God um, first. So, okay, 20 minutes. Um, hope that was helpful um, and uh, love to hear your thoughts on this. And I'll try to get a link to that James Jordan. Um, I think it was a series of a couple of a couple lessons he taught at the Auburn Avenue conference. Um, all right. Have a great day. We'll uh, see you here again soon.